horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back to another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. The racing is in high gear right now from coast to coast. And uh, we're going to uh, once again kind of zoom in on some Saratoga races. But we will be telling you who's running out at Del Mar. And uh, so you can put those easy win forms to use. We've also got the West Virginia Derby this week. All right. How's the show set up this week, John? Well, our first guest will be trainer Elizabeth Lizzie Merriman. Hope you were watching uh, when her homebred... Caravel won the grade three caress at Saratoga. It will be the last time she will saddle Caravel, even though she is the owner, breeder, and trainer. Why? Well, Bobby Flay got involved. He wanted to buy into this gorgeous looking daughter of Mizzen Mast, who just excelled at the five and a half furlongs on the turf and could be Breeders' Cup sprint turf bound. Uh, just uh, made it look good with uh, Irad Ortiz in the saddle that day. But it, just a great story. I mean, to, to think that a horse you bred on a small farm and that then you trained with some help with some family members, went on to become a graded stakes winner. Now has a record of nine starts, seven wins, and two-thirds. And, hey, she's probably got free meal tickets from Bobby Flay. Plus, she did keep 75% of that filly. So uh, we're going to talk to uh, Lizzie Merriman about her experience up there at Saratoga, her her first ever graded stakes win as a trainer, and what's going to happen with Caravelle now, who's just down the shed row from her. Our second guest was recommended highly by my friend Tom Law of the Saratoga Special. His name is Terry Hill. According to Tom, he is the oldest living intern uh, in the United States. <laughs> I'm not going to give away his age. He can. Uh, but he's going to be our guest handicapper as he's settled in up there. Um, he's been a writer all his life, first in advertising, then later as the co-author of the Two Guys series of books. I don't know if you heard about these, like two guys read Moby Dick, two guys read the obituaries, two guys read the box course. I'm looking forward to where he got the idea for this and, and how the books read. But uh, So for three years now, he's been working uh, with the Saratoga Special as a racing writer and columnist. And uh, according to him, he's been forging a career out of being old. His ambition is to live forever, and so far, so good. Uh, of course, uh, up there at the spot, as always, every weekend from now through Labor Day, it's nothing but graded stakes races. Three grade one stakes on the card that we're going to look at. I guess you could call this Whitney Weekend. What? A race, not a huge field, 
every horse in the field is a millionaire or multi-millionaire. So we'll be talking about uh, the Whitney, that of course a grade one, as is the Saratoga Derby Invitational. It's the new Triple Crown on the Greensward, and Bolshoi Ballet will be looking for the second jewel in that crown. And then we're going to take the Phillies three-year-olds we're going to test them at seven furlongs in the long jeans test. Pretty evenly matched group there. So we'll be seeing how Terry Hill, we know how he holds up as a writer. We'll see how he holds up as a handicapper. Now, don't forget, with this racing from coast to coast and from Canada to Florida, you're going to need these easy win forms that gave you out such winners this win week as a $1 pick five at Mountaineer that paid $1,554. How about uh, in the middle of the country, Indiana Grand this week at 10 cents, super high five that paid just over $1,800. And yeah, we get out west at Del Mar. Check this out. This was the last day in July, 50 cent pick three. $5,500. Don't believe me? Go on over to winningponies.com. We check out and post all of our selections results. All right, let's get on to some of the news that happened in racing, uh, starting out with uh, not great news. The Bernardini has passed away at 18. He uh, was euthanized the morning of July 30th at Darley's Johnabel Farm, a beautiful farm that is. He uh, had contracted laminitis, and as you know, they tried everything that they could. 18 years old, and he was a homebred for Sheikh Mohammed's Darley operation, and he's been standing at Johnabel's uh, when he was retired back in 2007. Uh, Bernie Dini, he really was uh, one of a kind. Uh, the Sheik, it goes back, he purchased her, <coughs> his dam, the 1995 Hollywood Starlet Stakes winner and Breeders' Cup juvenile Philly runner up, uh, Cara Raffaella. And uh, she went on to become Broodmare of the Year, probably mostly because of him, but she had some other really good foals, too. But uh, uh, remember Bernardini, uh, you know, I know he's 18, so going back for some of you folks, but open daylight wins and uh, uh, the Preakness Stakes, the Traverse Stakes, the Jockey Club Gold Cup, uh, the Jim Dandy, the Withers. And uh, he was retired after finishing second to eventual horse of the year in Vazur in the grade one Breeders' Cup Classic. And uh, so that gave the Sheik his first American Classic winner. And uh, Bernardini was honored as the 2006 Eclipse champion. Just a really, really good sire, but man, he really uh, did it with the ladies. Um, as a broodmare sire, <clears throat> just uh, for the 2021 season, he has the highest percentage of graded stakes winners to starters of all broodmare sires with active runners. So, uh, Bernardini, we are glad you were here. All right, well, a horse that we won't see in the test, sadly. And the last time I spoke to her trainer, he said, this is what we're pointing for. Day out of the office, 
uh, whose win in the 2020 Frazette Stakes gave Tim Ham, who's been a guest on this show several times, his only grade one victory. Uh, and she was retired just before being entered at the test. Uh, turns out that overall, uh, she's, uh, you know, feeling pretty good. She must because uh, uh, just on the 31st, she went five furlongs and a bullet 59. But uh, according to Sienna Farms uh, Facebook post, she came out of the race slightly off. Uh, X-rays revealed mild changes. But so anyhow, with time ticking, who knows if they would have got her wound back up in time to get back to, into grade one competition. So uh, looks like if you'd like to get her, you can go down to the phasic tip to November sale because she is going to be entered. All right. We had talked about this a couple times weeks ago, and it looks like the New Jersey Racing Commission has come down on Flavian Pratt for his ride on Hot Rod Charlie that got him DQ'd in the Haskell Stakes. Uh, you may remember that uh, uh, Hot Rod Charlie kind of closed the hole up there on Midnight Bourbon, who uh, nearly went down. It was a bad stumble. He unseated Paco Lopez, who luckily escaped serious injury. But even though he uh, crossed the finish line first by a nose, he was DQ'd and mandaloon the winner. Now, the debate goes on. Because of the restrictions in New Jersey, had he been able to use his left-handed whip, would it have stopped him from closing up the hole? Well, we'll never know because he couldn't have hit him even once. And he felt that his horse would have been just fine if that was the case. And, uh, boy, we had a Jim Dandy over the weekend, and I guess we'll give out some of those results here as we talk about Louis Sayas. He is currently the leading rider at Saratoga, upsetting the Ortiz brothers, who are second and third. But uh, on Saturday, essential quality, what a beautiful ride he gave him. Uh, the, the, he uh, had to break from the outside in a small field. I hadn't started since the Belmont Stakes. He was the heavy favorite. But I'll tell you what, he had everything cut out. They were forward wide into the first turn, but they were pretty well bunched. He was only two and a half lengths off the leader. Uh, then they went four wide into the far turn. And then say as an essential quality made a sweeping outside mood, took command at the three sixteenths, but had to dig in. Uh, when challenged by Joel Rosario on Keep Me In Mind, who, by the way, keep in mind, is eligible for non-winners of two, and the horse has already won over half a million dollars. But it was a race down to the finish line. Essential quality showed a lot of guts. And, of course, uh, after the race, everybody's like, oh, boy, they're going to be coming out of the woodwork to try him and the Travers. Um, boy, you know, that wasn't impressive. It depends on who you were listening to at the time. I think it's just what Brad Cox wanted for him. He really had to dig down. He got a lot out of him. Great for fitness since he hadn't run since the Belmont Stakes and uh, got the job done. And then uh, he just went right out in the next race, the grade two bowling green, and uh, he rode cross border. This was a very evenly matched race. Uh, Moved about, had saved ground on the rail on the final turn and hit the wire in front by one and a half lengths. Uh, Saez's stats for the week 
were 19% win percentage and earnings of 860000 How about this? Just in stakes races alone, he earned over a half a million dollars. Well, don't forget, we got the West Virginia uh, Derby coming up, but also wanted to get back to some other results. Uh, Jackie's warrior, man. I don't think there's a, a faster sprinter in North America right now. I don't know if you're watching and waiting for post time. The race was delayed by a half an hour. So Jackie's warrior had never run on an off track before. Well, answered that one for Steve Asmussen. Jackie's warrior after torrid fractions went on to win. We're talking a 21 and 2 quarter and a 43 and 4 half and uh, just wrapped up the final 16th when he took control uh, and uh, just uh, it was something to see. And how about she shares the devil? She dominated in the grade one Clement Hirsch, extended her uh, lead uh, with an eighth of a mile to go, and then pulled away to win by three and a quarter lengths. And uh, we'll find out, probably have to meet Latruska again down the road, but she looked awful good. And Dr. Scheibel, three-year-old, second year in a row, a three-year-old, uh, Upset in the grade one Bing Crosby, and this is a win and you're in. So we're going to see Dr. Scheibel in the Breeders' Cup. Last year it was Collusion Illusion, uh, who was the three-year-old that won. So uh, he'll be going to the $2 million Breeders' Cup sprint. Again, don't have time to read you all of uh, the stakes coming up, but there are 14 of them. Pull down your easy win forms because that's a whole lot of racing to digest. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed the first segment, and I'm sure you're going to enjoy our guests, uh, the, the first of which is Lizzie Merriman that's going to give us the uh, made-for-TV movie of Caravelle winning the caress at Saratoga. So uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies, and we come back. We're going to be with Lizzie Merriman and a great story she has. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for Winning Ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Bet with confidence. Bet with BUSR. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, I've really been looking forward to this interview. We have with us right now uh, Elizabeth, I'll call her Lizzie Merriman. Uh, she uh, was part of what I think should be a made-for-TV movie in that she won her first graded stakes race with uh Caravel, not to be confused with Carvel, the very good ice cream place, um, up at Saratoga in the caress. Uh, she was there when this filly was uh, born. She arranged the, the breeding. She brought the horse along, and now she's partners with a big famous chef, Bobby Flay. But we'll get to all of that in time. Lizzie Merriman, how are you? How's the last couple of weeks been? Oh, I'm good. And the last couple of weeks have been sort of a whirlwind of, uh, you know, I've always been sort of an under-the-radar trainer of a small stable of homebreds for clients and my own. And, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of press after Caravelle's win at Saratoga. Uh, good for you. Now, now, like, like I said, people are going to say, Elizabeth Merriman. Well, let's see. I know who Pletcher is. I know who Chad Brown is. I know who Brad Cox is. But Elizabeth, y- y- you're no greenhorn. Uh, you and your family have been around horses for, uh, shall I say, generations. Oh, yes. My, my father bred a bunch of... Um, very nice horses in the Maryland circuit, and um, he even bred a horse named Twix that won a grade one out in California at Hollywood Park. So um, we, we've always been owner-breeders, and my siblings have always trained, and so yes, we, we've grown up in it for at least a generation. Now, what were you like as a young lady? Well, I I always enjoyed riding, and, and we kind of, um, you know, my parents had six kids, and they put us all to work. We made all of our own hay and straw on the farm, and we had lots of mares and foals and racehorses, and um, we all trained and galloped them, and we broke the yearlings on the farm. We kind of did everything ourselves. My mother was... Uh, a master at raising young horses, and and uh, my father was very very good at mating horses and picking out the right pedigrees that really work for incredibly reasonable prices. So that's kind of been bred into me. All right, now uh, you read a lot of stories. Is is it true that the dam of Caravel, ZZ Zoom Zoom, God, I love that name, was actually given to you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of horses, that, that's not that uncommon because a lot, you know, there's so many horses and a lot of people when they're finished with a with their racing career, if they get injured or something, they just want the horse to have a nice home. 
they want to, you know, figure out a nice place for it to be. And unless it's a fancy pedigree or a fancy, um, you know, racehorse, broodmares are kind of a dime a dozen, really. Um, so a lady in Florida had her and she had gotten injured. She'd only won one race. Um, and a friend of mine called me up and asked me, just said, you know, I've seen this filly and I think she'd make a nice broodmare for you. Do you want to look her up and give her a try? And I looked her up and I kind of liked what I saw. And I was like, I don't know why usually, I mean, I'm, I'm offered, you know, hundreds of free horses all the time, but this one, for some reason, I usually never take them. This one I did. Something told me that this was the one. So I took her sight unseen and sent her to Kentucky and brought her to Mizzen Mass. And first time I saw her, she was in full to Mizzen Mass and I'd already spent about 20,000 on my free horse. Well, again, it's not uncommon to get a free horse, but it is uncommon to get a free horse that foals a graded stakes winner. Now, you just said something that I'm sure some people said, did I hear that right? So you, I guess, uh, influenced by your father as far as looking at bloodlines, uh, immediately sent her to mizzen mast sight unseen. Yes. Um she was out of a mare called ZZ, who's by exchange rate, who was a very, very nice racehorse. She was just like a pretty hard-knocking race mare. She only won three races, but she ran, two of them were stakes, and she ran in some really tough races in really top company. And I liked that a lot, and she was all turf. But then they bred her to Congrats, who's very much a dirt sire for the most part. Um, so ZZ Zoom Zoom is by Congrats. She still wanted the turf, too, so I decided that the the dominant genes in the family were leaning towards turf, and I better strengthen up the turf lines in the family rather than um, breed for dirt and water it down more. So that's uh, Mizzen Mass is a great turf horse, who, turf sire, who um, is not a very marketable sire, but a very good racehorse sire. So he's reasonably priced and very proven, whereas I was breeding an unproven mare, and I like to breed an unproven mare to a proven stallion. So that's how I came up with it. Well, Mizzen Mast was a favorite of mine. I actually have one of his halters uh, that I got at a charity auction uh, hanging up in uh, downstairs. Um, so... What was it like? Um, take us through, because you were there, correct me if I'm wrong, um, for, for the foaling process and, and, and for the raising and breaking of Caravelle. Well, actually, um, I send my mares out to foal because I train, and I, I think you have to be with them 24-7 if you're going to foal them. Um, otherwise, that, you know, bad things can happen. So I, I always send them out for a couple weeks. Um, I send them out to foal and then bring them back when the foal's about two or three days old. And Did so I had her, you know, raised her as a baby from when she was a couple days old. And, um, yep, she was broken here on my farm in Pennsylvania. And uh, then I trained her at Fair Hill in my string at Fair Hill. Now, um... <laughs> 
The, now, in, in her very first start, uh, you had to be taking a big gulp when the gates uh, flew open, because primarily throughout her career now, uh, she shows a, you know, a fairly decent uh, turn of foot, though she can be rated. Uh, but she just walked out of the gate and was 10th of 10 for half of the race. Were you just kind of saying, well, I guess we're giving her one, and all of a sudden she jumped up and won? Yeah, it was pretty remarkable. <laughs> um, yeah, I think she was caught off guard when they opened the gate. At Fairhill, we have a smaller gate. It's not like the big gates at the racetrack. So often, Fairhill horses will break a little bit slow in their first start. Um, but she was re- she had always broken fast at home, and I thought uh, so much of her. I really thought she could run. We were all very high on her. And... Um, the gate open and she just started dropping back. I mean, she broke slow, but she continued to drop back. And I was thinking, Oh, how could I be this wrong about this Philly? And then she's like, Oh, okay. You want me to go fast? All right. No problem. And she just cruised past the field like nothing. Well, so then she reeled off two in a row with the, her third start being a stakes win at, at Presque Isle. Uh, so she can run turf and uh, and synthetic, and and I think then uh, at, at Pimlico you caught a yielding grass uh, going a mile. Was that when the light went off, saying, you know what, she's so she's shown me so far she's an outstanding sprinter going short. Why don't I go back to the sprints? Oh yeah, I mean, I I thought she would be a filly that would want to run long. I mean, her whole pedigree kind of said long. Um, so I often give my horses a start sprinting first, um, and then bring them back going long. So she won first time out and I thought, well, I can't really run her against winners second time out and run her long. So I sprinted her again and she won again. And then there was a three-year-old stake at Prescott. So I tried that and she won again. So I thought, well... Maybe I'll try her long now. Um, and then when she hit that yielding turf course and then there was a lot of speed in there, she didn't settle at all in behind the speed and still ran well. It it really took a lot out of her. And she just, she took the defeat to heart. And um, so then she followed it up with a PA bred restricted stakes win back up at Presque Isle. And then this... Uh, I was always, you know, like I said, very high on her, and I just kind of thought she was a really top filly, but maybe would have Breeders' Cup in her in her sights. And um, I kind of this year decided to gear her campaign towards gradual steps so that would give her a lot of confidence and get her maybe to the Breeders' Cup turf sprint. Well, it, it looks like, and I don't know if this was by plan or not, but by the time she had made her second start at Pimlico in the very one, a race that she gamely got up and won by a nose, it, it, I don't know if it was a, a tactic of yours or it's just the way she ran the race, but uh, her last couple of races, uh, she's been able to relax in the first half mile and then explode in, in the second half. Yeah, which is perfect for a turf sprinter. That's exactly what you want them to do. She just was, you know, she was a little hot-headed last year in a couple of her races, and I think jocks tried to 
thought, oh, we're sprinting Cinder away from there. And this year I just really tried to impress upon the riders to sit on her early. And um, Pablo Morales had her perfectly figured out as far as just, he said, you just have, you can't even twitch a finger on her when you want her to settle. You just have to sit as still as possible. You can't ask her to break out of the gate. You just, the quieter they sit on her, the better she settles. And as soon as they ask her, she's coming flying. So I think, I think her, her running style has been established now and has um, shown that it's, it's pretty effective. Uh, not that you care one way or the other, but I did pick her in that race. And, uh, the only thing that I worried a little bit about Lizzie was that, um, she had that, she had to break from the one hole. And of course in, in a five and a half or a long sprint, you're going to have a whole lot of speed to the outside. But uh, I will say I read Ortiz. It comes as no surprise, just gave her up picture perfect ride rated a little bit and then when the time was right uh, i've got written on my form wow yeah yeah she uh she really she fired past him she and he said you know she just sat there waiting for him to give her the cue and when he did she was off well, uh, that was that was good advice. I understand you kind of t- what you just told us a minute or two ago was probably what you told Irad was, hey, you don't have to do too much. Just sit chilly till the time's right. Yeah, I I told him, you know, if the stillest you can sit, don't ask her to leave the, you know, don't send her away from the gate. Just sit as quietly as you possibly can until you want to go. Well, um, and I- he did it perfectly. Yes, and and go she went. Now, give us the backstory, if you would, uh, because uh, you were the owner, breeder, trainer, and now we're seeing that celebrity chef Bobby Flay is going to be owning with you. Uh, He bought into her. How did that all come about, and and how did that work out? That had to be strange getting a call from him. Um. Well, that's not. Well, he he didn't actually call me. Um. I had a lot of agents call after her Monmouth race because her times were very fast and her numbers were very, very strong. Um, she ran a 99 buyer figure and she ran five eights and 54 and four. And, um, she turned a lot of heads that time. So I had a whole lot of people calling me. Um, some people wanting to buy her outright, some people wanting to partner, some people wanting to partner and leave her with me. Um, and Graham Motion is a friend of mine, and I talked it over with him, and he's like, well, if you if you think you want to sell her, let me know. Um, if you think you want to sell part of her, let me know, and um, I might have an idea. So um, I decided that I just kind of wanted to work with him and – that it was going to be the right fit for me. And so he talked to um, a bloodstock agent um, named Brad Weisberg, and he set up the deal with Bobby Flay. Um, And it just, it, it was just the right fit for me. I had a lot of options and that was the one I chose. It just, just felt like the right fit. Now is Bobby going to give you a carte blanche at his restaurants? 
Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, Hopefully. Only, you guys are you're, you're partners now. Well, so uh, she she moves uh, to the barn of Graham Motion, who uh, when he's at Fair Hill, he's right down the shed row. So you'll get to see her train. I know you're getting to uh, you're going to go up and see her uh, later this week at, at Saratoga. But I, I guess if, if you, you want to find more plus sides to every story is that uh, you, you still got the female family and I'm sure some people are going to be asking about uh, your plans for uh, ZZ Zoom Zoom in the future. Yeah, um, I have had some calls about her, uh, people interested in buying her, um, but I don't think I'll sell her. I said I'd give her a good home and I think I'm just going to do that. I love it. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, Lizzie, I, I, if I know any uh, Hollywood people, you're a great story uh, for, uh, you know, uh, how this all came about. It's like, you know, every, every horse owner's dream come true to have a, have a young foal, to raise it, to do the groundwork on it, and, and then get the fruits of your success in a graded race at Saratoga. It was such a pleasure watching you on television. It was so genuine and so real and you had family members with you. Uh, it, it just looked like an, uh, an amazing, joyous occasion. Well, thank you. It, it really was. It was, it was, it was definitely a fairy tale come true. Well, uh, Lizzie, we'll be looking for you down the road. Uh, best of luck. And, of course, you'll st you're still part owner of Caravel. So uh, hopefully we'll see you in the winter circle again soon. Hopefully, uh, yep. She's going to go run against the boys at Woodbine on the 22nd, and I might just go up and watch. There you go. Breaking news, <laughs> breaking news on winning ponies right there. Well, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the show, Lizzie. We wish you nothing best of luck. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And uh, while we're talking about Saratoga, we're going to go to a guy who knows a little bit about uh, that place that races under the ancient elms, none other than Terry Hill. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with us on the show now, another first-time starter who's currently up in the Saratoga area. Uh, He is uh, an author of many books, of which I want to ask him about, and he worked his way in to uh, being part of the Saratoga special team, which is a very special team to be on, if I do say so myself. Tom Law opens and closes the Saratoga season uh, here, and I called him up. I said, hey, Tom, give me somebody with a little bit of a local flavor that uh, that, that, that could join me next week. He says, I got the guy for you. He says, you want to talk to Terry Hill. Terry doesn't live in Saratoga. He splits his time between uh, New York City and Mexico City, if I'm correct. Terry, how are you? Mexico City. When we're in Mexico, we live in a town called San Miguel de Allende, which is in the mountains. But uh, we're in Mexico four or five months out of the year and and in New York. Well, uh, you, you, you must have made a little bit money as the co-author of the Two Guys series of books. I'll tell you what, educate me and our audience on how these books set up. Just the, the title of a couple of them are like Two Guys Read Moby Dick, Two Guys Read the Obituaries, Two Guys Read the Box Scores. Well, what's the setup for these books? Just the titles alone sound great. Uh, it started when... Uh, a very good friend of mine, my best friend from the time I was 11, who is also a writer. He writes uh, books in a totally different category. And he and I, uh, at the age of 60, admitted to each other that in high school, we had not read Moby Dick as we were assigned. <laughs> but but we managed to pass the exam by carefully not mentioning uh, Gregory Peck in any other thing, because Gregory <laughs> Peck had starred in the movie. But uh, we passed the exam, but we said, we got to come clean. And at 60, we started to read. We set up a schedule, and we said we would read Moby Dick. We lived quite a ways apart, half a country apart at that time. So we sent each other letters and emails back and forth about our progress. And like three exchanges into it, we said, hey, this is not just an exchange of letters between friends. This is literature. And so we we turned it into a book. And then after that, we did Two Guys Read the Obituaries. And then we did Two Guys Read Jane Austen and Two Guys Read the Box Scores. And 
and the hits go on. No, so, we did not make a lot of money off it. <laughs> but is, is it a conversation between you guys, or is it, in one case, your observation, we'll just say of Moby Dick, and then his observation of Moby Dick? How, how do the books flow? It's uh, basically a conversation between us. I would say that a third of any of these books is about whatever the title is. The other two-thirds is basically about our friendship over the years. So it's, uh, and hopefully they're hilarious. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to make sure I get myself one for sure. I'll be going up on Amazon <laughs> after we finish this interview. Now, now Terry, what, what was your, uh, your entrance into the racing game and your interest? The very first time I went to uh, races was in... Uh, 1948, I believe, in Mexico City, where my father was working for Ford International at the time. And every Sunday, he used to go to the races, and I started going with him. And honestly, I have been, I mean, by the age I was eight or nine, I was reading the, the uh, I knew how to read the racing form, obviously, but I was reading Blood Horse and so on. So I've always been a racing fan and never did anything with it until uh, the Saratoga special. And I was up in Saratoga and I was standing behind the Saratoga special box and there were three interns there and I said, hey, is this the greatest job of all time? And they said, all of them pretty much agreed that it is. If you're a racing fan, you can't do anything better. But the thing that happened was I said, I asked the dangerous question, hey, why shouldn't I apply for that job? The fact that I was 74 at the time did not uh, detain me or uh, restrain me, and I went ahead and applied. They didn't know what to do with me when I applied. <laughs> well, you're surrounded by a great team there. I mean, the Clancy brothers and Tom Law. But I'll tell you what, it, it's a once it gets going, it's pretty furious. So do they kind of spot you and say, like in this last issue, uh, Terry, we want you to go into town and <clears throat> get people's impression of live racing coming back to Saratoga. Do they, or, or, or do you pick your own topics and say, this is what I think I'll write about this week? Uh, it's a combination of both, um, because I also do the real work, which is like writing about the races. I write race recaps and stuff of which I am terrified. Um, but I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with it. I've been doing it for three years now, but I also have a column and on that, obviously I have a lot more latitude, um, but still under their control. But you know, the history... The history of interns at the Saratoga Special is incredible. All of them have gone on to great things, uh, and a lot of them are live uh, air personalities uh, on television, or uh, they write uh, for various papers about racing. Some of them work for Naira, uh, uh, New York Racing Association, and so on. They've all really been and i'm hoping to follow in their footsteps i'm sure there's another career waiting for me 
That's great. I mean, not everybody on camera can be Acacia Courtney. So, you know, we, we, need, yeah. we need to represent my generation here, Terry. You got to get out there. Well, listen, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, Acacia is probably a little, a better, more attractive than I am. I mean, when I was younger, of course. <laughs> Well, uh, she's more attractive than most, so uh, don't feel bad about that. Well, well hanging yeah. around Saratoga, hanging around the Clancy brothers-in-law, you, you, and having to write race recaps, you, you had to pick up something about handicapping and watching these races. So I'm going to put your feet to the fire here and what I think is probably one of the toughest Grade one fields I have seen all year, and that will be this edition of the Whitney Stakes. Every horse in the field, Terry, is a millionaire or multimillionaire. How do you separate them? Oh, you just took away my uh, my opening line. I was going to point <laughs> that out to you. Um, the The thing about the Whitney, I the handicap division which has always been like four-year-olds and up, um, has kind of, is in a strange position now with all these horses retiring at three, you know? So it's like they're starting up again. But I agree with you. This, These five horses are tops. I mean, they really are. And the favorite would be uh, Nick's Go. This is largely on the basis of a 10-length victory in something called the Cornhusker Handicap? What do we yes, do with I watched, that? I, I watched it. Well, I, I think, A, Brad Cox wanted to get a, a race into him. B, he wanted to get him back to going two turns. He's the kind of horse that seems to run faster as he's going around a turn than just going down the back stretch. And it certainly yeah. worked that day uh you, you did have rated our superstar in there who's a graded stakes horse but yeah but he also on his own now with a 10 plus length win records 113 buyer that's good across the country doesn't matter if you're prairie meadows or not what i find interesting about nick's going here terry is that all these horses like to slightly take back and rate do you think Joel Rosario, who's pretty much his regular rider, uh, might send him and try to steal it for trainer Brad Cox? I don't know. I I thought maybe uh, Brad, in going to the Prairie Husker Handicap, just wanted a trip to Altoona, Nebraska, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> good, he, good corn out there. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so, because I can't think of what else would be out there except $300,000 for the race. Um, on the other hand, uh, he might. I don't know the strategy of the race, but I will tell you this. The sentimental favorite, as you know, will be the filly yes. with Skydiver. A rare filly running against the boys uh, in the Whitney usually doesn't happen. And she's got the leading jockey, Irod Ortiz, uh, Ortiz, who would be, in fact, my choice. I really, I don't trust that 113 buyer. I know it's supposed to be good across the country, but I don't trust it. I, I really think Swiss Skydiver can do it. Swiss Skydiver has won every other race since, uh, I think, since June of last year, more than a year, 
uh, ten race, and has won, and it's her turn this time. <laughs> well, I know Kenny McPeak's got her on her toes. I've been watching videos of her uh, train in the morning, and he is certainly a trainer you cannot dismiss. A yeah. fantastic eye for horse, pl- horse flesh. She's now won over $2 million. He picked her out of the Keeneland sale for 35000 and he's done this with more than one horse. So if anybody can do it, it's Kenny. And let's not forget, she's beaten the boys before in a little race called the Preakness Stakes last year. So she's certainly... Right. Uh, has all the credentials to do it well uh let's move on to uh one of the more uh, deeper fields in here we got a field of 11 uh to what's uh, become the the triple crown on the greens word and uh this will be the saratoga derby invitational they're going a mile and three sixteenths which is about a mile and a quarter and i'm just in love with bolshoi ballet I am, too. I'll tell you, part of the reason for setting up this grass triple or whatever you want to call it, the Belmont Derby, the Saratoga Derby, and the Jockey Club Derby, which will be in September, was to attract European horses. Well, if you look at that field of 11, there are four horses that actually were bred in Ireland or England, but there's another one that was bred in Kentucky, who is racing for the first time in the United States because he's been running in uh, in uh, Ireland and England all this time. But Bolshoi Ballet, if you took a look at that last race of hers of his uh, in the Belmont Derby, he started to make a move and then was had to be pulled back, got shut off, and then he made another move to win it. I mean, yes. the general wisdom is a horse has one run, you know, but he just showed us two in that. I think I, I like him clearly the best. Yeah, and I'm, Aiden O'Brien, uh, who, who's uh, s- such an uh, outstanding trainer uh, across the pond, as they say, uh, will bring in his regular rider, champion jockey, Ryan Moore. And you are correct, Terry Hill. That was a fantastic ride he gave Bolshoi Ballet uh, in the Belmont Derby. And it also showed to me another dimension of the horse that, and you can't do this with big thoroughbreds. He, he almost had to start, stop and start him again. And, right, uh, the, precisely. The, the, yeah, and the horse responded. And let's not forget, this is a horse who has won uh, graded stakes races with 131 pounds on his back. So yeah. he's getting in with, with a feather at 122. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's interested. The other interesting thing, Terry, that caught my eye was that Mike Smith is going to be on Secret Protector. And according to the statistics I have in front of me, this is the first mount Mike Smith is going to have at Saratoga. That is correct. I mean, obviously Mike Smith has ridden here in the past, but this year that is the first mount. This will be his first mount, yes. So they're bringing somebody that they think can do something for him. I, you know, why do you bring a jockey in? Obviously because you think he got a chance. Yeah, and, he, and he, he's one of the best in the world. There's no doubt about it. And this is the Kentucky bread you talked about, but it's in the uh, hands of Charles Appleby, who's done nothing but win 
Group One races over in Europe this year, uh, so it, it will be interesting. But uh, still, we'll have to prove it on, on American soil. But uh, Bolshoi Ballet, both Terry Hill and yours truly, are liking that horse's chances in the second jewel, let's say, in the Saratoga Derby. Well, I'm down to a couple minutes to post, and uh, we're looking at eight horse field going in the Longines Test. I love seven first. Longs. It's such a niche um, uh, distance uh, for runners. These are three-year-old fillies. Terry, I'm going to let you take the lead and tell me who you liked in here. Search results. I like. Uh, I read up. This filly won the acorn in June. Um, Chad Brown uh, is the is the trainer. Who also has all, uh, always Karina in this race, but um, my second choice would be Obligatory, who was second in the Acorn. I think that's the key race in this thing. Who do you like? Well, I, I like Obligatory. You know, uh, they say you can always uh, measure a horse's best distance with a yardstick, and uh, Obligatory's only tried seven furlongs once, and it was in a very competitive 12 horse field in the eight bells on the undercard on Derby day. And, right. uh, closed very well. Jose Ortiz traveled to Kentucky. He, uh, to ride this horse, he's traveled to Gulfstream, uh, rode it in the acorn. The, the, the only knock, if you can call it that on search results is that search results has been racing at a mile and a mile and an eighth in her last four starts. And you're asking her to turn back. Hey, Great connections, great pedigree. I'm not saying that it can't do it, but if the horse goes off, you know, a, a favorite, this might be a race where you might look at the other Chad Brown runner, always Karina, and certainly obligatory. If there is some heat up front, and it does look like with Illumination, always Karina, and a couple others in here, uh, they're, you know, the, the, the these races a lot of times go to a closer and obligatory. I, I guess Terry would uh, would be my selection in there. Now, well, are, are you are you located now? I know you live in New York. Did, did you go home on the during the week and come back up for the weekends, or are you settled no, in no. Saratoga? We we uh, stay for the full two months of the season. Uh, we come up here uh, and pay exorbitant amounts for an apartment <laughs> and but it's worth it hey this you paid the, somebody's the, mortgage for a year you know <laughs> yeah that's right and this is the place to be it really is we love it here and uh, i can't think of any other place i'd like to be in july and august and uh, beginning of uh, september I, I, I know it well, Terry, as a young man, that's where I grew up running bets for my brother who was working at the track. So, uh, it, it, it's steeped into my blood and, uh, every year we would have a, a holy race of obligation, uh, a, a family reunion at the Traverse stakes. And I actually have a nephew right. who's middle whose middle name is Travers, not because we have any connection with the family, but just because my brother loved the Travers take so much. <laughs> he, he gave right. his, the middle name you to said, his son. You said an obligation, a meeting of obligation. Is that why you picked obligatory? Uh, no, no, no. We, we were we were we were Catholics. I remember how there was a certain holy masses of obligation if you're uh, if you're of that faith. You know things that you better go to or you're going to hell. So uh, we absolutely. All made sure. 
we made it to the Traverse Stakes. Well, Terry Hill, thanks very much. And listen, I want to remind everybody, give yourself something different. I know your nose is usually in the daily racing form, but try Two Guys Read series, whether it be Moby Dick, the obituaries, or the box scores. It sounds like uh, Terry Hill and his partner have penned some very interesting novels for us. Okay, and also read the Saratoga special. Most importantly, yeah, oh, Tom Law would kill me if we didn't mention that. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being with us, Terry. I appreciate it greatly. Thank you. All right. That was Terry Hill. I want to thank Lizzie Merriman. Got a little time. I want to remind everybody, pull down those easy win forms. Uh, the graded stakes action, again, 14 stakes over the weekend. It starts Friday with the National Museum uh, up at Saratoga. Saratoga, of course, Friday through Sunday. They've got other races we didn't bring up. The, the grade three, Troy. We mentioned uh, most of the races on Saturday, except for the grade two, Glens Falls. And don't forget, go out to Del Mar. A lot of uh, Two-year-olds are going to see action there in uh, the Sereno and the Best Pal. So you're going to need those easy win forms. We're taking you all over the country. Well, thanks again for you listening. Spread the word. This is on podcast. If one of your best friends uh, missed the show, tell them where to go, winningponies.com. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.